0: Welcome to How Do You Write. I'm your host, Rachel Herron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 117 of How Do You Write. I'm Rachel Herron, and I'm so glad that you're here today. Oh, my God, you guys. We are talking today to Barbara Samuel, also known as Barbara O'Neill, and I freak out a little bit. Seriously, um, I started reading her years ago. I love her books. I love her writing. She is who I kind of wanted to write like. It's one of those writers. You know, the writers who it's it's hard to admit um, out loud that you would just like to steal their voice. And especially if she listens to this now, she knows that, but I'm sure she's had those feelings about other writers. But um, I have those people whose voices just really, really resonate with mine. And I've been her biggest fan. I always tried to meet her at conferences and conventions, never quite managed to. And then through friends of friends, she started reading my Patreon essays. And y'all, she sent me a letter saying that she liked my Patreon essays and I proceeded to flail all over the ground, and then I asked her to be on the podcast because I do not miss an opportunity like that. So we had a wonderful talk. She is exactly as awesome as I thought she would be, and I think you will really enjoy what she has to say about writing and inspiration. So stick around for that. In the meantime, just an update, I released that um, first of the year, how much I made podcast earlier this week. I'm kind of back to backing them a little bit and it's gotten a huge response, a great response. People, um, are saying that they are very grateful to see real numbers that authors guild report came out this week, which basically says that if you're a writer, you should just go live in a cave and try to keep your fire burning. Cause it's all the money you're ever going to make are those three rocks that are slid to you by the crows that live outside. But for some reason, and I think that if you're listening to this, you might understand, whenever I hear those statistics that say authors are doomed, whenever I hear those reports that say no one makes any money, for some reason, I like it. It's like this nudge in my side, this poke in my ribs that says, oh yeah, you say I can't do it? Well, then watch me. I'm not like that in real life. The only time I deliberately break the law often... Um, Is when I jaywalk which you know what as of that accident a couple weeks ago maybe I won't do so much anymore but um, otherwise when somebody tells me there's a rule I'm a rule follower I'll follow the rule but not when it comes to writing if you tell me I can't write something I want to write it if you tell me I can't make money I'm gonna make money doing it and I've noticed that writers are often like this we do not quit we don't give up we push Um, we keep fighting, fighting, fighting. Even if that means keeping a day job way longer than you want to, which is something I did. Um, Even if it means getting that part-time job, which is something I am going to do if I ever have to. I just know it's on my it's on my, you know, it's always on my radar. These are things that we have to do, but we don't stop writing. We don't stop putting out books. We don't stop putting our heart on the page. And so the response to that has been wonderful. So thank you if you listened or watched or commented. Um, that was wonderful. And what's going on in my writing life is I'm just trying to get that damn last romance out. Um, it seems like every time I open up something to do, because I'm self-publishing this one, um, I it seems like every time I try to do something to get it published, By doing that, I find there's five more steps and each of those steps have 20 things that need to be done because this is the third in a series. I am rebranding the whole series, um, getting new covers for all of them, which means redoing the interiors of books one and two, redoing their covers, uploading them at all the, um, the places, putting it up on, putting the new one up on book funnel for my reviewers. Um, it's just one of those things that I was, I thought this morning when I woke up, oh, I'll just, I'll just pop it up, put it up for sale today. Cause the copy edits are finally done and no, that's not going to happen. And that's just the way it is. And I get to take a deep breath and accept it and own it. But today I'm just so grateful that that is my problem. Um, I'm having a real good time taking some time and thinking about things in the mornings, um, things things like that, slowdowns in production are bothering me less and less than more. I think about what is really important and what is important to me right now is connecting with friends and family and um, doing my yoga and meditating and, um oh, speaking of meditating, I'm just going to announce it right here. I'm taking next week off, just decided, because there's no way I'm going to get a podcast up before then. I am going to, well, let me look at the calendar because Rachel says she wants to get a podcast up. Oh, I might get a podcast up. If you don't get a podcast up next week, then it'll be up the week after that. I am going to be away at Spirit Rock Meditation Center, um, which is north of the Bay Area. And I'm going to be spending six days in Vipassana Retreat, which I think I've mentioned on here before. Six days of no talking, meditating for 13 hours a day. I thought it was like seven, but it's actually 13. And um, it's going to be terrifying. No reading, no writing, no cell phones, no computers. Absolutely cut off for those six days. And uh, because I'm terrified, I'm really looking forward to it. So I can't t- wait to tell you how it went. So I don't know, I feel kind of lighter in my bones, but more grounded at the same time. Oh my God, I sound like a hippie. So um, I am a hippie, That's just, let's just face it. Let's move on to thanking new patrons, because that's exciting. Alex Wolfson edited their pledge up. So thank you so, so much, Alex. Um, and actually, there's a connection to Alex through my wife, who knows his uh, comic work. So that's... Super cool. Thank you, Alex. And new patron, Shelley Sperry. Thank you. Robert E. Stutz. Thank you so much. Sarah Mackey. Dear Sarah Mackey. A NaNoWriMo person. Um, Sarah Schley and Jill Chase. Thanks, you all. Thanks to all of you. Past present and future patrons, as I like to say, because you may have to dip out if your finances change and you may become a patron in the future. And I thank all of you from the bottom of my heart for allowing me to write those essays, which I love to write so much. So thank you. And yeah, I don't have anything to tell you about coming up because I'm just going to go be quiet for six days. (laughs) My wife keeps laughing every time I say that. She doesn't think I could do it. I don't know if I could do it. But anyway, on to the interview with the amazing Barbara Samuel. You're going to love it. Enjoy. Please, between now and the time I hear from you, do some writing. Let me know how it goes. I want to know. Okay? Keep me posted. Talk to you soon. Have you been sending out that perfect query letter and hearing crickets? Well, did you know that I am the query letter whisperer? I honestly love to work on them and they get results. Lorena Hughes, the award-winning author of The Sisters of Alameda Street says, with just a few clever tweaks, Rachel Herron transformed my long and wordy proposal into a sharp query letter that got me agent requests the very next day. I honestly live for fixing query letters. They're like puzzles in my brain. What I do is I overhaul the good drafting that you've already done. I don't write the rough draft for you. I do rearrange your ideas into exactly what the industry expects and responds to for the low low price of 100 bucks if you're interested just go to rachelherron.com query and see more information and more testimonials from satisfied clients now on to the interview okay well everyone i could not be more pleased today to welcome barbara samuel to the show hello barbara
1: Hello, I'm so glad to be here. I literally have like pitter-patter heart. (laughs) I
0: just just called in. Listeners, I'll explain that in a minute, but first a quick introduction. Uh, Barbara Samuel also writes as Barbara O'Neill, is the best-selling author of more than 40 books. In 2012, she was inducted into the Romance Writers of of America Hall of Fame, and she has won seven Rita Awards. Uh, Her books have been published in more than a dozen countries. Um, one of her women's fiction titles, The Lost Recipe for Happiness, written as Barbara O'Neill, went back to print eight times. That's how I found you, by the way. And her book, How to Bake a Perfect Life, was a Target Club pick in 2011. Whether set in the turbulent past or the even more challenging present, Barbara's books feature strong women, families, dogs, food, and adventure, whether on the road or toward the heart. And, um, I've, I've shared this with Barbara a little bit. We have Friends in common, and we've Quite been a at- lot of them. Quite a lot of them, and we've been at the same conferences. And I'm always like, "Where's, where's Barbara Samuel? Barbara O'Neill? I, I really want to meet her." And everyone, I would come, oh, she just left. But our friend Barbara Freethy <laughs> automatically tells me now she just left. You just missed her because I have worshipped your books for ever since I found um, the last recipe for happiness.
1: I am so honored because I love your writing too. I just love your writing. I think your essays are absolutely genius. I really do. Thank you. They are the, they're the thing I love to write the most. You're really good at them. Thank you. Well, you're so
0: good at writing books, lady. Thanks. Books. I thought that I read them all, but then when I realized there were 40, I'm like, I don't think I've read all 40 but I, I uh, will. That's a lot of books, actually.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it really does. It adds exactly. up over time. Well, most of
0: all, this right, this podcast is about process because I'm a process junkie. So okay. can you tell us a little bit about how your process works, um, when, where, how much, how often, or what you need to do? You might want to tell us a little bit about your girls in the basement
1: the girls in the basement. I actually (laughs) stole that completely from Stephen King, who has the boys in the basement in uh, on writing. That's where I took that from. And it was just a phrase that just clicked with me so hard that I just, I visualized them all immediately. The the rebel and the church lady and the one who tries to keep us like on the straight and narrow and the one who's like, forget it. I have stuff I need to do and I've got to live a wild life. All of those people work together to bring the books to fruition. But I also think that the big thing for me is that, like, I also have to take care of them as if they're a bunch of, you know, my friends or my relatives. And I can't just beat them to death. Like, you can't just write book after book after book and expect them to be able to give you anything. So um, that was really where I started writing about the girls in the basement a lot was because we need to nourish them and take care of them. And in the current world where, you know, the need to be so present on social media and the need to be, you know, marketing all the time, and you really are expected to do that no matter where on the spectrum you're publishing. Yeah. Um, and then to write more and write more, it, it's really hard. And writers are kind of delicate, I think. Um, I think all we the are. artists yeah. are very delicate creatures. And so we have to take care of ourselves. And so that's, that's really one of my big causes is to, to keep that um in mind and to help other people keep that in mind. But for me, I think the process um isn't always as smooth as I would like that to make it sound. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um I wish I were a writer who was um balanced and even and I set out and I wrote 5 pages a day. I have a friend who said, "If we could just write 5 pages a day, day in, day out, oh, that would be great, you know?" I know. But you know, it never happens that way. I always spend six weeks at the end of the book, you know, completely buried in the work, completely not talking to anyone in the world. And it's exhausting, but it seems to be the only way it gets done. So that's that's your process then. That is my process.
0: <laughs> it, is yeah. so, it is so hard to be nice to those girls. And it is so hard, especially in today's writing climate, not to beat ourselves up and, and go crazy and try to write. 43 books a year, you know, like, like the rest of the world seems to be doing. But so you, you've been around before social media was as important. How has that change felt? Like it's got to be kind of like, Hey, I was tricked. I would feel tricked.
1: I feel as tricked as I did when I found out they were actually supposed to like go out and talk to people. Like that was part of the job. I remember thinking, (laughs) no one said I was going to have to speak in public. It took me years to learn how to do it. And I actually really enjoy it now. And I love the connection that you get in that group. But, um, and I think social media can be like that too. But a lot of times it just feels like a lot of mean girls talking and yelling and trying to get attention and it really, it is not a comfortable environment. You know, I think we all find one or two social media platforms that are acceptable for me, they're Facebook and Instagram. Both of those feel kindly and it feels like I actually am making a connection. Um, but it is a reality. You have to do it. So yeah, Yeah. you have to, I don't necessarily have to love it in order to have to do it.
0: Then how do you schedule your days when, when you're actively writing a book? Um, where does that fall how do you how do you make that kind of balance well <laughs>
1: um, i don't know that i actually have a schedule for social media i post i, I was on really really early i got on to uh, the the social network genie. It was ancient. Um, I remember and that I don't think
0: I was on it, but I remember hearing about it. I
1: think I signed on to it in about 1989 and it was DOS big system mm-hmm. and you all had your own rooms. Like, so each writer had her own room and she would talk about whatever she wanted to talk about there and people who wanted to could come in there and people How who cool. didn't, it didn't matter. It was great. Yeah. So it's a lot like Facebook in yeah. that way. So, and it became just like a habit that I was there and I would visit other people's rooms like that. So that's pretty much what I do now too. It's, it's, a daily thing I post more honestly to my personal page than I do to my public pages but you have to be um, more thoughtful and more uh, you know you just have to not just post anything and everything that comes to your brain. Right. To your public right. Um, and Instagram is fun because I did have someone who tried to help me brand my Instagram recently and I just really was very uncomfortable with it and very unhappy. And I wanted to go back to posting pictures of my dogs and my garden and my granddaughter. I love your pictures. I love your Thank pictures. You. <laughs> and it just makes me feel happy because when I'm on face on Instagram, that's what I'm doing. I'm looking for the people's pages that make me feel good. Mm-hmm. So it can be restful. So then it isn't something that's taken away. It's something that's giving something to me. So, um, so did you stop doing the branding then? You just said, I did. Ix-mai. I just, it was re- I mean, I know that I should do that. If I were a good Instagrammer, I would do that, but it's just not me. And it wasn't yeah. me to post pictures that were not mine.
0: I no. am the same way. If you look at my Instagram right now, it's, Almost 100% dogs or cats. It's just what's on there.
1: Well, I mean, like, what else is there really? <laughs> I don't care about anything else. <laughs> I know. Well, I started following a bunch of sketchers. I'm like a oh, very amateur sketcher. So I follow so sketchers relaxing. and artists and people who um, have a million house plants. So that feels really good when I'm going through there. So, I mean, it is something we can use to feed ourselves, yeah, um, but we have to do that consciously. Yeah. You yeah. Know? yeah. So
0: now when you're writing, um, when and where do you write? Are you at home or do you go out? Are you a
1: binge writer? I, really, or? I, can, I can write elsewhere, but I really like to write at home. It feels like that's where the, you know, I sit down at my desk. That's the trigger that says, now we're going to be serious and we're going to write. Um, I've been on the road a lot. So I've been writing a lot on my laptop and it is possible and I can find some Joy in that, but really, I like writing at home, and I like writing really regular hours too. I like to, you know, walk the dogs, come home, sit down, start writing, you know, and just write until that session is done.
0: Yeah, oh, that's that's fabulous. I'm, I I'm trying not to fangirl. I'm just like I'm talking to Barbara Samuel, people.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, what is your biggest challenge when it comes to writing? Oh wow, um, there are a lot of them. Really, it's a matter of keeping. Um, an eye on what kind of books I'm writing. You know, like readers want certain things from you and I can be all over the place. I mean, I've written under four different names and I write all different kinds of things. I like to read all different kinds of things. So staying within a sort of at least a loose kind of idea of what readers want from me is the big challenge. I think I'm better at it than I used to be. Um, But that's,
0: I struggle with that. I struggle with that myself writing. I think I'm writing five genres right now and I just, and I don't want to stop writing it. Well, I kind of want to like romance. I don't kind of, I want to let romance go for a while. I need to let that sit, but everything else I want to keep writing. So what is your biggest joy when it comes to writing?
1: Oh, I think it's the same thing as everyone who writes. It's that moment when, the characters get up and breathe. Mm. And Stewart said that once upon a time. And I was I like, that's that. exactly it. You know, it's like that Frankenstein moment when that ah, takes its first breath and think, ah, there it is. That's the moment. Or that day when you don't see something coming and the book tells you what's happening and you, you just realize it's brilliant and you have no idea where that came from. That's a really big thrill. I love that.
0: It's such a big thrill. And then there's, I mean, you can tell your best writer girlfriends about that moment, but no one else understands. And they won't ever know because they'll read the book and think, oh, she plotted it this way. No, we didn't plot it that no, way.
1: It came out of me.
0: nowhere. And it was exactly Rah- what the book wanted. Yeah, that, yeah I yeah. think that's my favorite part, too. Can you share a craft tip of any sort with us?
1: I think craft is so particular, but the big thing that I would say is... Reading is so central to writing. Like Ray Bradbury said that we should read a poem, an essay, and a short story every single day. That's how serious he was about writing. I mean, about reading. And I think that that's where we grow and that's where we begin to understand our own voice and how like we start to even understand that we're making a change. Reading is what feeds writing. So that's my craft tip is read a lot. Have you
0: ever run into those writers? I I get these writers sometimes in my classes who are like, well, I just don't, I don't like reading.
1: I don't have time to read. I'm just like, what, why are you even writing? I don't know. I I don't know. I honestly don't understand that. Yeah. I I Um, don't either. It's, it's,
0: it's like taking everybody else's drinking water. And (laughs) I, I don't, I have my analogy is falling apart, but like, it's just not fair. You don't, you can't do that. You won't be a good writer. You won't. I agree. Be a sustainable writer. What is the thing in writing that you are most excited to talk or to think about? Like when you get together with writing friends, what do you go back to? What do you always end up talking about? What's your passion?
1: I think my passion is the characters and the character arc. What, um, what, well, I really like writing women's journeys. And so it tends to be about that, like what women have to learn. And also that part of the writing where, you connect, I connect with some other person, like a stranger, you know, I might not ever talk to her or know that she even is on the earth. And we have this intimate, deep conversation. I really love that part of it. And I love like trying to find those universal points that we all sort of run into at some point or another. That's, that's the part of the craft that I love the most.
0: Do you ever have this problem that I run into? in my own work is that I tend to write the same character over and over again and her wounds are similar. And I realize, I've, I've realized this halfway through like five or six books. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm writing the character who's scared of things and who has set up her life to protect herself. And now she must move out and be brave. And I'm like, you know, I know that I'm, that's coming from the back of my psyche. How do you keep from doing
1: that? I'm not sure that we can. Okay. I think that sometimes what I think we're doing is we're, we're kind of stuck with this basket of things, right? right. Like, so. I can't you have to... your basket. I want your basket, but I can't have it. Right. No, yeah. you, we're all kind of stuck with that same thing. Like a friend of mine always says, oh, there's the wounded father. <laughs> like over again. And, <laughs> and I never again. have a wounded there's... father. I never have that and in mind. Like there's yeah. the terrible father or whatever. Yeah. Um you know, you can't ever, and like, they might be disguised, but oh, there it is again. There's the whole story again. So I think you kind of have to just make peace with that and try to make it as original as possible every time. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm always trying to find out why and how some people survive terrible things and some people just crash and burn. Like, Mm. why does that happen? I have written that story, you know, as many times as I've written a book and i think I'll probably write it every single time.
0: And when you think about it, that's why people come to our books, right? Is because we do tell the same story. And I go back to you for that core story, because I want to read that core story. I don't write that core story, but I want to read it constantly. So that's why I go back to your books.
1: Well, see, and that's why we pick all of the writers that we choose. Yeah. You know, like, I need this person to take me into this world. And like, we're going to be in different moods and go for, to different writers. But if I suddenly start writing some other kind of story, then readers are going to be like, I used to really love her books, but now I don't anymore.
0: Right. You know, but you could write a, you know, a spaceship story and it would still right. be a you story. It doesn't matter where we place them. It's about what's inside those.
1: That's exactly those right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Although please don't so write a space that, station. But. like
1: writing across all those genres, you're, you're probably still taking your core story in all those genres.
0: I, uh, I get called comforting a lot and I don't know why I'm comforting. And I remember I wrote this story <laughs> okay. in which, what's that?
1: I think comforting is a great word.
0: It is. a It is a wonderful word. And I wrote this book, Splinters of Light it is a really dark book and the main character is not going to make it. She doesn't die in the book, but she's not going to make it. None of us are going to make it. But, but I remember people saying that that was comforting. I'm like, Oh
1: God, I cannot get away from this. So I, I better, I might as well embrace it. So. Right. Right. I was just having a conversation with somebody um, about this idea of like the way that we write. And sometimes we, idolize writers who are they give us something but we're really not very much like them like this writer was saying that she really wanted to be more lyrical but she her Mm. new year's resolution was to go ahead and write the stories that she writes and she's a very straightforward person she even looks very straightforward she's got crisp lines she has a crisp haircut everything about her and she's very popular so the thing is when she said that i'm like now that is a real power move like to stop going i'd love to be like that and realizing this is where i am that is Total power. Yeah.
0: I have realized just this year that I like to wear black dresses and, and boots and that's that. And I don't think it's necessarily attractive or everything that it needed to be, but it's what (laughs) I feel great in. And I don't know, maybe this is like a middle age stepping firmly into middle age thing, but I just, that's my power move is I, you know, who you are and how you feel best and you do it. Absolutely, (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. What is the best book you've read recently and why did you love it?
1: I have actually read so many good books lately. It's mm. really hard to narrow them down. I um, One of my favorite books last year was a book called, I want to like get her name right. Um, it was a book called Erotic Stories for Punjabi Widows, which sounds like it's going to be this crazy story. And it's really about a group of women in uh, South Hall in London. And her name is, I can't read it with this, Bali Kaur. I'm sorry, I can't read it., Oh, you know uh, what I'll find it, and I'll put it in the show. Sally That's her name. Um, and it's just a group of of women who are telling each other stories and getting each other through things. and i I really just loved that story so much. It was one of my favorites. And the other one was Matchmaking for beginners, um which was Maddie Dawson, which is really the most chicklity thing I've read in years. And I absolutely loved it. So and I good. think she's writing some more. Uh, like a follow up to it, so that's kind of fun to think about.
0: My my true serious pleasure reading is straight up chick lit, I you know in the old in the old fashioned way, and I like that it's we're we're seeing this resurgence of it. I love yeah. that, too. Yeah. I mean,
1: it's, it's escape reading for me. And, I yeah. you know, sometimes that's just what you want. You don't want to think about hard things. And another book that I read was The Great Believers by Rebecca Mackay, which is about uh, the AIDS crisis in Chicago, mm-hmm. which is not light reading. It was a great book. Mm-hmm. But, like, if you're in a crisis mode, that's not the book that you're going to choose. Yeah. You know, you want something like Matchmaking. I like,
0: I like to go back and forth. And right now I'm reading They're There by, uh, Tommy Orange, oh, which is about yeah. the Native American experience inside Oakland, my town. And it is so wonderful. And I am exhausted at the end of every chapter. I'm just, okay. it, but it's yeah. so good. It's Pulitzer worthy, really the way he's weaving these stories together. Um, but I do need, I need a palate cleanser after
1: that. Right. That one's actually on my list. I have it on my Kindle. It's so I'm looking forward to it. And it's not, it's, it's not, it's, it's
0: just heavy. That's all. Uh, just as you would expect it to be. Sure, yeah, It's sure. It's it's serious stuff. But yeah, yeah. Thank you for those books. What would you like to tell us about right now? Can you tell us about
1: your latest book? Where where will listeners find you? I would like to talk about a little bit about the book that I had out this year, which yes. is the Art of Inheriting Secrets, which was a tiny bit of a departure for me in that it's not set in the West or in Colorado at all. It's set in um. In England, in a little village in England, because a woman inherits a manor house and a title from her mother when she dies and had no idea that this mother had all these things or anything. And it was so much fun. I started it right after um, the last elections in 2016, and I wanted to be away from everything and all of the drama. Yes. It was really, really fun to write. And I just love these characters so much.
0: That is actually on my Kindle. And it's I just decided it's going to be my palate cleanser for their. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: Total fantasy. Guess what? You are now a countess. (laughs) (laughs) We all want that story. It's um,
0: um, what uh, Kurt Vonnegut said, you know, Cinderella is the most famous story every time. Every as somebody turns around, writes another one, you know, and that's what we want to read. So right,
1: that's well. Who who doesn't want that, right?
0: I I, I want that. I will tell me you. Me too. Where can listeners find you? Where's the best place?
1: Find me uh to on social media. You can find me at Barbara Samuel O'Neill, uh, Facebook slash Barbara Samuel O'Neill. That's the place that I'm most active, or Barbara O'Neill author on Instagram. Perfect. It has been such a treat
0: um don't go away i'll say i said i'll say a private goodbye to you but it's been such a delight to talk to you on the show thank you so much for meeting me and for doing this
1: it has been a delight rachel thank you so much (laughs) okay happy writing to you thanks
0: thanks so much for joining me on this episode of how do you write